what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Psalm 57, David cries out to the Lord, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. Selah. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Selah. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Let us pray. Father God, we do exalt you. We do pray for your glory, God, to be manifested here. We thank you, God, that you have given us not only a heart to know you, God, but you've given us a sound mind because you've blessed us with the mind of Christ. God, I thank you that your peace that surpasses all understanding can rest upon us even as it did David as he was running from Saul he knew where his help came from and God we cry out to you this morning and we say thank you for always being so faithful to us that you are our help you are our comfort and God I thank you and I praise you for taking care of the uh, youth and the, the youth leaders, all those that traveled to Tennessee. Thank you for bringing them home safely. We praise you, Jesus. God, we pray that the work that you did this week through them, oh God, that it would change this world, that through them, your spirit would abound, God, and it would touch the lives of those that you put in, in their paths, God. Father God, we pray that not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, you would speak through Chris this morning as he is coming back from this trip and has many, very few hours of sleep, God, but, but your spirit will move through him, God. Open up our ears and our hearts to receive what you would have for us through your word. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Man, it's good to be here with you today. Paul kind of threw me under the bus there. I haven't had much sleep, but that makes it exciting because you never know what's going to come out today, all right, because the filters are a little bit down. It's going to be fun, but uh, man, it was wasn't so good to hear from Jonathan. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Awesome. Hear from Jonathan last week, right, preaching the word, bringing it. Good job, Jonathan. 
right? Getting to hear from Jayton. I was in Israel um, with my wife Tara and, and a lot of our friends, and we got to listen to Jayton bring the word. He did an amazing job. Man, we got some incredible pastors that know the word of God, get to bring the word of God. But man, I, I was excited. We got home last night at midnight. I got to bed about one o'clock, but I was excited to be here to kind of share with you guys and teach you. If, you're, if it's your first time here, you might be thinking, man, what did I step into? There is a barefoot guy on the stage walking on holy ground. The lights are making his hair look purple. It's not the lights, okay? Um, and so I, I'm in pastor mode today, right? Mohawk, youth pastor mode, right? Slide to the side, pastor mode. All right, so, so we're ready to go. We're ready to dive into the scripture and, and see what God has for us from Psalm 57. So if you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 57, right? Because I want you to see kind of the intro um, that, that we get to this psalm. We get to see some of the background to this psalm. And the reason I picked this psalm is because I actually had a chance to be in Israel, to look at En Gedi and to kind of look at this could be the cave, that David was in when he wrote this psalm and, and get a chance to kind of talk about um, what God is doing in this and to see how we can apply that to our life. Because do you believe that you're not alone? Because the, the Surgeon General of the United States of America says that there's a pandemic of loneliness in our world today. We're more connected than ever, but we're less connected by the heart. We, we feel less heard, feel less known by these things, right? Do you believe that our God has a steadfast love for us, that he is with us at all times? We're going to see sort of that picture play out here with David. So let's look at this kind of intro that he has to the choir master, right? So he's writing a song meant to be sung by the choir, meant to be a praise. And he says, according to do not destroy. So we see this, this little phrase, according to do not destroy, four times. Uh, Psalm 57, 58, 59, and then 75 for some reason. Um, but it's the idea of this is that do not destroy seems to be, and we don't know exactly what it means, but a lot of scholars would say it's sort of a familiar tune, right? And so David is sitting in a cave, just humming a familiar tune, this do not destroy kind of tune he's kind of, kind of humming to, right? How many of y'all like to sing in the car? Anybody out there? All right, all right, hands down. Who's the shower people? Like to sing in the shower? Okay, a few of you, all right? So have you ever been in the car, right? You're driving down the road and like your song bop comes on, right? And you just like, just start singing it, start belting it, right? The windows are down, you're doing the wave out the window, right? You just belt it. But have you ever made up your own words to the song? Like, for example, in our household, um, and probably every household has it, in our household, Shelby, my beautiful daughter in Thailand on mission, she is terrible at lyrics. She is the worst, right? Like, there's a song um, by Tadashi, which says, jump out the whip, which the kids tell me that means you're getting out of the car, right? Anyway, anyway um, I'm, I'm getting up to speed on that. But it says, a time to get lit, right? But if you, ha if you talk to Shelby, she's in the car, she's crying. She's like... That part comes on, she goes, fried chicken's lit. Woo! She starts. We're like, fried chicken's lit? What? You think that's a line in the song? Like, yeah. And she sings it with all of her heart, right? So here's David, his favorite tune. Hey, now, I'm an all-star. Get my game on. Hiding in the cave. I, I don't know what he's singing. Hey, now, I'm a rock star. Get it, David? Rock star. Sling. Right? Go play. I mean, so what was David singing in the cave? Because music kind of unlocks something in our soul, doesn't it? 
Like there's something about music that dives deeper into our heart and our soul and our emotions. So here David is. He's hiding in this cave, right? Because next it says, a mitkum of David, right? And there's six times we see this mitkum. And maybe it means golden. Maybe it means stamped. But we know that it means this, when he fled from Saul in the cave. So David, hiding in the cave, humming a song, and out is going to pour his emotions, how he feels about the situation that he's in. So just so you'll know, this is possibly what it might have looked like. This is a cave in Engedi, And I know, y'all need to prepare, guys. Pretty much every sermon, you're probably going to see a picture from Israel. Because I just got back from Israel a few weeks ago. Just get ready. Just prepare, okay? But this is in Getty, right? Um, if you zoom in, you can see that there's a sort of this cave that's there. And this is a little waterfall, so there's kind of a water source, and there's this cave. And all throughout the hills, there's caves and, and different places they could have hit. But this could have been the cave that David was hiding in, that he's humming this song, and out of his heart is going to pour Psalm 57, So we're going to get to see some of David's emotions as he's running from Saul. By the way, did David do something wrong to be running for his life? When you think of David's life and you think about his interactions with Saul, how did David end up on the run from Saul? Was it David's fault or was it Saul who became jealous of Saul kills his thousands, but David kills his ten thousands? Right? Saul's there. Goliath is screaming. Here comes David. Like, I'll take him on. Boo! Gets out there, right? Jonathan, maybe the heir, his best friend is David. Saul being tormented. Here's David playing the harp. Oops, spear coming away. Right? So here, here we have David serving the king, doing the things that help Saul as the king, and yet Saul's fire and jealousy is burning in him to now he wants David's life. And that's the situation David finds himself in. And here's line number one. He's humming the song and he says this, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. And so you're going to see several of these sort of repetitions happen where he's, be merciful to me, be merciful. My heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. Where he's me crying out, repeating himself, Lord, show me your mercy. Be merciful to me. I'm hiding in the cave. Be merciful to me. For in you, my soul takes refuge. Where does your soul take refuge? Right, for David, it's a cave. Hiding in a cave. Now, we've seen David hiding in a cave several times, right, throughout Scripture. In fact, Chad mentioned it several weeks ago, this, this situation where David's hiding in a cave and Saul came in. Let's go back to it. Um, this is um, 1 Samuel chapter 24. I want to read it so you have a little bit of reference for some things we're going to talk about later. Um, it says this in verse 1 of chapter 24. When Saul returned from following the Philistines... It's a crazy thing. God saved David because of Philistine. Anyway, um, he, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rock. And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost part of the cave, and the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord has said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. 
Then David arose and stealthed out of a corner, or stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterwards, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. We've heard this story before. David has an opportunity presented to him, and he cuts off the corner of his robe, but he doesn't take revenge against the one that is doing him wrong. Keep that in the back of your mind, because as we go through, we see David's heart be be shown even more through this psalm, because he says this, "'In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass away.'" Who are the storms of destruction? Saul. The storms that David is hiding from in the cave is Saul seeking his life. And he says something interesting here. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. Now, this word for wings has two different meanings. It's really interesting. One of the meanings is corner, right? It means corner. So like the corner of the robe that he just cut off from Saul, it's kind of saying this. In the shadow of your corner, I will take refuge. So it's sort of this picture. Um, have you ever been a parent and your kid comes running up to you scared and maybe you have a jacket on and you, you kind of hold the jacket out and you kind of cover them with it, right? Imagine kind of having your jacket, your kid's cold and they run up to you and you're like, open your jacket, you kind of pull them in. This is the corner of the jacket. This is what David said, I want to be in the corner because remember, the robe of God filled the temple in Isaiah chapter six and he takes a corner of it. He's like, hey, come close to me. Be underneath of the shadow of my corner. I'll be your protection, right? And you, you pull them in close. Is that how your relationship with the Lord is? That when hard things happen or, or stress comes in your life, we run to the Father. Where we, we, we nestle in, we, we get close to him, hide underneath of the corner of his garment. And you know, you know there's another time that I remember corner. Think about Luke chapter 8. Do you remember the woman that was suffering with the bleeding issue? Right? And what was it that she, when she saw Jesus, what was her hope? If I can just touch the, the hem, the corner of his garment, I'll be made whole. And she was made whole. Right? We have this picture that even the corner of his garment, that part that identifies him as the king, even that is something that we should seek after. Are we underneath the, the shadow of the Lord? Do we run to him or do we try hard as we can to do it on our own power? Do you think David could have killed Saul? Not even just in the cave, not even hiding. Do you think David, if they were like one-on-one, David versus Saul, right in the middle, do you think David would have won? Was David a greater warrior than Saul? Well, Saul killed his thousands, David killed his ten thousands. Yet David chose to let the Lord be his defender. Look what he says next. I cry out to the God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Do you believe that God has a purpose for your life? Let's get personal real quick. Scale of one to ten. Ten being yes, I know that God has a purpose for my life. Do you believe that God has a purpose for your life? I mean, we know. We read scripture like Ephesians 2.10, where his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus to do work, good works, which he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We, we know this. We know it with our head. Do we believe it with our heart? Do you believe that God has a purpose for your life? Or do we feel forgotten? Do we feel alone? Do we feel like a leftover in the back of the fridge? It's been there a while. Or do we say, no, no, God, I'm still breathing. God still has a purpose for me. I still, all of us have a calling in the Lord to accomplish things for the Lord. See, it's a long ways from knowing it and believing it, isn't it? Do we know and do we believe that God has created us with a purpose? Well, one way that I think would help us, look, what, look at the name that David uses for God. I cry out to God most high. Is Jesus God most high? He's higher. He's better than everything else in your life. Your goals, your purposes, you run to him for comfort. You don't run to ice cream for comfort. You don't run to your addiction for comfort. You don't even run to your friend for comfort. You run to Jesus. Is he God most high? That he is greater and better than anything else you experience on this earth. How fierce is our trust in the God most high? Because if we trust him, then we can ask him. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples me. If he is God most high, then I trust him to be my defender. Do you trust God to be your defender? That in that hard circumstance, in that misunderstood moment, that I trust God enough to not try to defend myself. Woo! Isn't that hard? Think about a situation in your life. Because let's just use these words. Let's go down to verse 4. It says, my soul is in the midst of lions. Here's how David feels. Everyone around him is like a lion just waiting to devour him. I lie down amid fiery beasts. That's not good, right? All right, and then he says, children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. People are going to say bad things about you. People are going to make bad comments about you online. People are going to spread gossip about you. Your kids are not always going to love us. They're not always going to love our style of parenting. It's going to feel like everyone around us has just tongues, fiery darts coming out of their face. Well, that's Satan, right? The one that has the fiery darts, shield of faith. But it's going to feel like the people around us are attacking us. Do we fight back? All right, look what he says next. Look down in verse 6. He says, they set a net for my steps. People are going to try to make you fail. In fact, some of the most popular videos on YouTube are fail videos, right? Skateboard video, right, fall down. A bungee jump, it snaps, right? All fail videos, right? Everybody, I don't, but a lot of people love to see people fail. Do you like to see people fail? Well, not the people that I like. How are we any different than the world, right? Do we like to see people fail? There's going to be people in your life that try to set a trap for you. There's going to be people in your life that are going to set before you snares, stumbling blocks to try to get you to fall. Because if you fall, it makes them feel better about themselves, that comparison thing. We just need to be ready, 
right? He says, they set a snare, a net before my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. That if we let the Lord be our defender. Here's a great picture of that. Um, go to 1 Samuel chapter 26. You realize there's a second time that David had an opportunity to kill Saul and he didn't. All right, look what it says here in, in verse 6 of chapter 26. Then David said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Joab's brother Abishai, the son of Zerah, um, who will go down with me into the camp of Saul? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there lay Saul, sleeping within the encampment, with his spear stuck in the ground at his head, and Abner and the army lay around him. So you got the picture. Saul's asleep. Army, 3,000 men, right, sleeping around him at this point. Then Abishai said to David, God has given your enemy into your hand this day, right? They come up on the scene. Everybody's asleep. There's no watchmen. Everybody's asleep. There's Saul, and Abishai's like, let's go, right? He is pumped. Look what he says next, right? He says, God has given your enemy into your hands. Now please let me pin him to the earth. Here's Abishai with the spear going, David, David, please. Listen, I will pin him to the ground. Look what he says next. He says, with one stroke of the spear, and I will not strike him twice. Right? Abishai's like, look. David, please, we'll end this right now. We'll end all of our problems. We'll be done. I will pin him to the ground, and I ain't going to miss. You know it. You know it. And here's David. Victory. Freedom. The, the king who's chasing him. Who's going to chase him for 13 years? 13 years David has to wait from the time he was anointed till he becomes king. It can all end now. Would you take it? That person who's been gossiping about you, you have the truth, and you can destroy their reputation. Do you take it? You have the words that will destroy their career, their family. Do you take it? Or do you let God be your defender in his purpose and his timing? Woo! It's hard, isn't it? Isn't it hard to stand back when that person speaks against you? When, when, the, when you, those people at your work or those, those people in your family and they spread lies, they spread things that aren't true. And everything in, in you wants to just dive in and be a roaring lion in that situation. Instead, we have to wait. Wait on the Lord. Look how David answers the pleas here. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. Do not destroy. We heard that phrase, right, from Psalm 57? Do not destroy him. For who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And David said, as the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him, and his day will come to die, or he will go down into battle and perish, which is exactly what happens. Here's what he's saying. God is the author of life and the finisher of life. I'm going to choose to trust in the Lord. Yes, I could take this into my own hands. I could be an agent of judgment. But instead, I'm going to let the Lord be the one. Vengeance is the Lord's. 
not ours. That's a tough word, ain't it? It's tough to stand by when you look like the bad guy, trusting the Lord's timing in those things, right? And so then David goes on. He says, the Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. We're all made in the image of God. Do you believe that? Everyone's in the image of God. Why would we ever throw hate towards people? Why would he hate people because of the choices they make or the color of their skin or, or the situation that they're in? Why would we throw hate on them when they're all made in the image of God? Who are we to speak against the Lord's anointed? We speak truth with love, grace, and truth. We're able to do both. We're able to correct with gentleness and respect. We're able to be God's spokesman to the world, but we leave the judgment to the Lord. We're called to love God and to love others. The Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but take now the spear that is at his head and the jar of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the jar of water from Saul's head and they went away. No man saw it or knew it, nor did any awake, for they were all asleep. It makes you think they're like mission impossible, right? Like sneaking in there. But is it really that David was that sly and that good? Or if you keep reading, it says, because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. Whew. Did you realize that God is working even when you can't see it? David might have left thinking, man, snuck into camp, took the spear, water, snuck out, didn't even hear me. God's like, well, yeah, because I put him to sleep, right? I mean, you're not that good, right? I mean, we tend to take credit for the things God's doing because we don't know he's doing it. Do we just trust he's doing it? Do we just give all glory and all praise to him? In fact, when you look next, look at how um, David continues in this psalm because as we get to the chorus, all glory, all praise, all exaltation goes to him. He says this in the end of verse 3. It says, but God will send out his steadfast love and faithfulness. Listen to me. Hope you can hear me in this. While you're out acting judgment out on others, you might miss the steadfast love and faithfulness of God. Because when we sit back and we watch God work, we can now see him and give him praise. How many of us have a testimony that in our past, we wanted to do it this way, we didn't, and God worked it out in his way, and his way is better. I was talking about this at youth camp. Um, Tara and I were walking around at youth camp, and she goes, did you ever think you'd be here doing this? I mean, because I love football. I love co my, my dream was to be a, a, a football coach. Did I ever think that I'd be walking around Union University with 62 kids with a purple mohawk barefoot? No, I did not. When I was a kid, I wasn't like, my dream is to have a purple mohawk and be barefoot. All right? That was not my dream. My dream was to be a football coach, to be on TV, to score 150 points in one game. That, that was always my dream. Yet God's ways are better. I wouldn't trade my life and my, my own dreams for what God has in store for me. I've gone places I couldn't even imagine going because of him. I've seen God do powerful things, healing people, saving people, doing incredible things. So much better than winning a football game. But that's because the Lord's plans are better than our plans. His ways are higher than our ways. Do we believe that? Because if we do, then we'll trust him in the next phase of life. If we've seen his faithfulness, we can trust his faithfulness in what's next. 
That's hard, isn't it? it? I don't know what situation you're in. It's hard to trust him with what's next. And then here's the chorus. It's in verse 5. He says, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. You see, when we act, we get the glory. When we're patient, let him act, he gets the glory. We don't deserve the glory. He deserves all the glory. Right? And then in verse 7, he says this, because we read 6 a second ago. He says, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. Let your heart be steadfast as you face these next things. And then he just busts out into praise. Right? Just like when you're driving the car and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa. Right? That part comes on the song. Right? I got to be with youth driving home for like 13 hours and a song would come on. Right? And they don't really know the verse, but they know the chorus. Right, and you're kind of humming along. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa! It just like comes out from the back, right? This is what David's doing. All of a sudden, like as he's renewing his heart, as he's recognizing God's faithfulness, as he's seeing his exaltation, he says, um, "I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory! Awake, O harp and lyre!" And I will awake the dawn. Last night when we got home at noon, with the bass thumping, with us singing. 62 of us got out. I'm sorry, neighbors. If any of y'all are our neighbors, I'm sorry. That at midnight, there were 62 people out here jumping, yelling, screaming, bumping to the base. We awoke the dawn, all right? Our praise should awake the dawn. And then it says this in verse 9. I give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. Listen, here's our challenge this week. When you give thanks to the Lord, is it just like, thanks, Lord. Or are you giving thanks to the Lord among the peoples? Do the people at work know how much you love Jesus? Do they know how much he's done for you? Are you making it apparent that when you're at HEB, they're like, why is this person so happy? Jesus, right? Jesus, man, if you know what, I have money to buy food because of what God's done. He's given me this job. I mean, they, they might check another line, <laughs> go to another line. But hey, are we making people know and the thankfulness that God has given us. And then it says this, I will sing praises to you among the nations. Are you letting his name be known among the nations? Or are you keeping it to yourself? Like We need to go out and tell others about this incredible work that God is doing. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens and your faithfulness to the clouds. We should never feel alone. His steadfast love is always with us. His faithfulness to the clouds, overflowing God's faithfulness in our life. And then he ends with the chorus, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. This is our call. To God be the glory. Let him be exalted above everything else. So let's do that this week. Let's exalt him. Let's praise him through our thankfulness through our praise, through our patience, letting him to be the one to be our defender and through our faithfulness to him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, O God. And Lord, I thank you for your steadfast love. That Lord, when we are in the trial or when we are scared, we can run to you and, and you will pull us in. In the shadow of your wing, in the shadow of your, the corner of your robe, Lord, you'll pull us in. And we are not alone. 
that you are always with us. So, Lord, I pray for us this week that we will go out into our community and into our homes, into our workplace, and we will show people our thankfulness. And we'll give you all the glory and we'll give you all the praise. And that in everything we do, step by step, moment by moment, your name will be exalted. And so, Lord, as we get ready to leave, Lord, let us sing praises to you. We're going to end, Lord, with a song of praise, crying out, asking, Lord, that your name be exalted. May this be um, just, Lord, a sacrifice of praise to you to get us ready to go into a week so that we can be the light of the world. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for David. I thank you for this psalm that is so encouraging to us. Let it spur us on in your name. Amen. some prayer that um, Chad will be right here, Chris will be right here. Oh
so good to see you. I'm so glad you decided to hang with us this morning and sit under the teaching of God's word and sing praises to his name. This week, this week might have some caves in it. Maybe you're in one. Gosh, our God is good and our God is worthy and our God sees you. Just because you're in a cave doesn't mean you can't see you. Church, we love you. I want to leave you with this verse. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Our God is God. Church, we love you so much. You're dismissed.